Hi, welcome to the Haven Youth Church Podcast. We want to thank you for tuning in today. We hope this message encourages you and empowers you to be all God created you to be. We love you. Welcome to the family. Every week at Haven, we go to the Word of God. <clears throat> we believe that it is the bread of life. Uh, we believe that... Um, we believe that every jot and every tittle, every T cross and every I dotted uh, was done so by way of the Holy Spirit. We believe that you can base your life on it, your wife on it, your every move on it. And, uh, and every week we go there because this is the, the change agent is his word. And uh, so Mark chapter 6, Mark chapter 6, I want to read starting in verse 1, the gospel of Mark. <clears throat> um, sometimes we do this because sometimes you, you here's, here's the enemy, here's what he, what he does, right? The devil's real, and, and the enemy's afraid of, of the word. He's afraid of you receiving the word. Okay, and so the moment it comes to to the to the 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 focal point of the whole evening, you're going to you're going to to begin to come under attack mentally uh, at a greater at a greater level than than at any point in the worship. Okay, and so because this word will change you if you hear it, you receive it, and you allow it to be deposited in your heart. And so so just to to speak to your flesh and, and to remind your, your flesh that this is a divine moment. Can you stand to your feet tonight with the word as we read it? Mark chapter 6. The word declares, He went away from there and came to his hometown, talking about Jesus and his disciples, followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue. Oh, this is a church. And many who heard him were astonished. They were amazed. Uh, this is like jaw-dropping stuff, saying, Where did this man get these things, and what is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? And another thought pops in, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and, 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 and Hoseas, and Judas, and, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? Don't we know this guy? Isn't this Jesus from the block? Like, didn't we kick it with him when he was little? Didn't he build our kitchen table? Wait a minute. We know his family. And there's this, this shift from, from amazement, from astonishment, from, from esteem and honor. And it turns... To offense, and they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and his own household. Verse 5 says, And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And let's skip down really quick to verse 53. Same chapter. When they had crossed over, they came to the land at Genesaret, 
and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people. This is the same chapter. Bring the sick people in their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came in villages and cities or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored them that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched him, touched it were made well. I want to speak to us with the help of the Holy Spirit tonight on the thought, an enemy called comfort, an enemy called comfort. Can you pray with me? Lord, we recognize that your presence has been, it's been manifest in this house. There are a number in the place, Lord God, that sense the nearness of Holy Spirit, God. And we are grateful that you're near. And when you come near, we recognize, God, that you don't show you don't show up just to say that you were there, but you show up to show out. Oh, God, when you come, you come with intentionality. You come with purpose. When you come, Lord, in your manifest presence, in your manifest glory, you come, Father, to address the enemy. You had come to address the liar, Father. Father, you come to address the deceiver. We give you permission, Father. We give you permission in this house to make us uncomfortable. Give us a holy dissatisfaction for things as they are in our own heart, in our own lives, God, in our own day-to-day, day-to-day experience, Lord God. We give you permission to speak, to move, Lord, as you see fit, Father. We give you the glory and the honor. Amen, amen. You can be seated tonight talking about an enemy, an enemy called comfort. One of the most dangerous places that you can live is the place of comfort. P.T. Barnum said comfort is the enemy of progress. We talk about comfort all the time, being comfy, being cozy. We like being comfortable. We like being cozy, right? Some of us have our favorite blanket still. I had a friend growing up who, who, could, not, who could not stay the night unless he had his favorite blanket. One night he came over, and this was a nasty blanket. He was, he was grown. He was 12 or 13 years old and the thing still smelled like yarn like urine and it was it was like a Charlie Brown looking blanket I can still I still see it it was it was orange and brown and black these these Charlie Brown looking you know how he had his shirt you know and so I don't know why that's so so lucid in my memory and it was white and it was crocheted and one night he came over and he didn't have his blanket and so we had to take him all the way back home because he couldn't sleep throughout the night without his comforter right his blanket and so, uh, and so this becomes problematic when you're a middle schooler, right? And you're still carrying around your blanket. It's caused to be made fun of, probably rightfully so, right? And so this is uncomfortable when you have to wean a child from a bottle, right? Particularly when you have grandparents that want the baby to be a baby forever, and so I can't tell you how difficult it was for us to, to, to remove. My mother happens to be here tonight. She's an amazing grandmother. And so I don't, I wouldn't, that she would never do anything like this, or, or maybe she would, I, I don't know, but it was really difficult for us to wean our children from the bottle, because we would take the bottle, but they, as soon as they got to Mammal's house, they knew that their comfort was quick to be given to them, right? And so, and then, and then, and then Mammal and, and babies always conspire, 
And they, no, there's no, we don't, there's no Baba here, right? And so, but we'll stumble in early, right? Or we'll come in and we'll find the Baba somewhere. And then it's like, gotcha, right? And there's no, I'll just let you know, you're not probably at this stage of life yet. But, but when you get to this stage, for those of you who are younger and, and you don't have children, um, when you get to this stage, if you have the benefit of grandparents that are close, and it is a benefit, um, you, you just may as well give up on on any type of rules if you want grandparents to watch your kids. That's just the, the exchange. The exchange is if you want the benefit of, of mamma and papa raising your children while you're at work, then... <sighs> We thought that each one of our kids, uh, well, I guess through Ezra at least, we thought that their, their smash cake at their first birthday was their first experience with sugar. It wasn't. <laughs> like we were looking for that, like, you know, surprise taste when they finally tasted the cake and they just, eat it, they just ate it like it was, you know, a normal part of their diet because it was, you know. And so there's this deception that occurs at grandma's house, right, talking about Talking about comfort being the enemy of our progress. And this is this is particularly dangerous when it comes when it comes to when it comes to the house of God and our relationship with the Lord. There are things that we that we are comfortable with, and there are things that we are uncomfortable with when it comes to our our belief systems, when it comes to the way that we approach God. For some of you, everything that's happened tonight is very uncomfortable for you. For some of us in the room, everything that you've seen or even testimonies that you've heard, that's uncomfortable to you, right? Because you're not used to approaching God in such a way, and that's okay. Uh, you need some discomfort, right? And so for some of us, we've seen God do the miraculous. We've We've seen we've seen God settle God's glory settle in a, in a place in such a way that people across the room are are on their face before God trembling right and so but even those of us who's been, who've been in mighty moves of God uh, where His manifest presence is felt can I just say I feel like I need to say this so I'm going to say this understand that we believe in a God that is omnipresent we believe that He is in all places at all times and so but we also believe in the doctrine of preeminence and not only is he at all places at all times but he can also be in a specific place in a great way in a manifest way where his glory shows up and so I'll show you scripture Acts chapter 2 when the when the, the glory of God came into the upper room he was at all places at all times always from the foundation of the earth but he was in a specific place among specific people at a specific time in a special way right and so when we talk about the manifest glory of God that's what we're talking about is when his glory falls in a special way and some of you have been in the room when you've seen you've seen eardrums you've seen eardrums put back together you've seen broken arms uh put back together you've seen spines straightened up you've seen allergies uh allergies vanish from from individuals and them start start immediately consuming the stuff that that just hours or moments moments prior would have would have caused their 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 uh the whole esophagus to swell right and and to them to, to choke out and die, right? Some of you are still believing for that miracle. Um, <laughs> I'll leave that alone. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so, but we've seen, I'm telling you, there was, there was for eight weeks continuously in this house, we've seen an instantaneous miracle, and it was just, it was incredible, right? And so, but even among that, we can become comfortable, Right? 
And so we have a space where we allow God and and an idea where we believe that God can move in a miraculous way. Right? And so particularly the Pentecostals among us. We're okay with God moving in power in a service like this and on a Sunday, right? And we're okay as long as he does it within the given time frame. Here we, get, we have service at, uh, on Sunday mornings, we have service at, at, at 11, and we normally dismiss at 12. And I can tell you, I can tell you because that's the part of the culture, right? This is what people expect. And I can tell you right at 12, people start looking back right at the clock. Why? Because we, it's not that we, we're anti-God or anti-revival or anti-move, but, but we've become comfortable with God moving in a particular way, at a particular time, right? <clears throat> we become comfortable with God moving and shaking at youth camp. And, oh, man, Impact Youth Conference. Hire Kevin Wallace was going to be there, right? And, and God is going to move, right? But can I, can I tell you, it'll always be a visitation, and never a habitation as long as you keep the Holy Spirit in your comfortable box. Do you hear me? As long as you keep the Holy Spirit in your comfortable box. We're okay with God breaking out in a song service, but what if he wants to break out at your school? What if he wants to break out in your lunchroom? What if he desires to break out in an early prayer meeting in the in the in the in the, the yard of your school, in the front portion of your school? Could he do that, or would that be too uncomfortable? Do you hear me? I wonder if he wants to break out in your home among your parents that are wayward and don't know anything about about Jesus, like we're talking about him. But would that be too uncomfortable for us? I wonder if he wants if he wants to use the person in the room that you have become decidedly bent you're not particularly you don't particularly care for you know that person the one that kind of rubs you the wrong way <laughs> you know him too you know the person you know the one that you think is is puffed up right is really arrogant or the one that you think is super awkward and weird? Probably me, I'm sorry. <laughs> what, if, what if God is looking to break out in your life through the person that you keep resisting, but your comfort keeps them? I want to I wanna read, Jeremiah, I'm not going to preach this, but I need, I should. This probably should have been the text. Jeremiah 48 and 11. It says, Jeremiah 48, 48 and 11, I want you to write that down and I want you to, to go back and read this. Moab has been at ease from his youth and has settled on his dregs. There's an analogy here with wine. He has not been emptied from vessel to vessel, nor has he gone into exile. So his taste remains in him and his scent is not changed. And he's talking about a wine 
that is entering into ruin because it's not been moved from jar to jar as they would do it with the wine uh, the wine of ancient times and so it settles on his dregs and it begins to the 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 fibers and the pieces and it begins to absorb actually the flavor of the jar itself and in our comfort, we're okay with God moving in a particular way, but never enough to allow the wine of the spirit that is in us to be poured from jar to jar. And so the wine that we carry becomes spoiled because it begins to, begins to take on our own scent, our own flavor, rather than the flavor of Holy Spirit, the flavor of the divine, the flavor and, and the, the power of the authority authority of the spirit that brings change why because it's comfortable and and the prophet is saying because it's been so easy for them i'm going to allow their jars to be shattered i'm going to allow their wine to be poured out because they've not had time of war but it's been easy it's been generation of of uh, of ease and and they've sought the path as the flesh always does of least resistance they've went downhill and not made the journey uphill and so comfort has become Become their greatest enemy and so they had a visitation but no habitation and so how do I get out of comfort what is the what is the bridge what is the bridge from 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 comfort uh, to to revival if you will and I would say the bridge from comfort to to revival is 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 passion and and discipline <laughs> is passion and discipline or better stated maybe is desire and discipline is recognizing that what I have is not enough. What I've experienced of the Lord will not satisfy. I yet want more. I want to see him move greater. I want to see him move in a, I want to see him move in a mightier way. I want to see him move. I want to see him move. I want to see the Lord begin to shake every sphere that I walk into. I want to carry the aroma of the presence of God. And when I walk into a room, the aroma of Jesus causes everyone to notice, but we can become so comfortable around church and Jesus and church things and be satisfied with, with another, another one-liner and satisfied with, a, with, with another shout or another good message and go home and say, we had church tonight, boys. How was it? I was talking to... Uh, I was talking to to Titus and Sam, and they were sharing with me. Uh, they were sharing with me about an experience um, a friend of theirs had, and uh, this friend had gone to had been invited, um, not directly but indirectly. Uh, not directly by, I think it was Paul Brown, but uh, but indirectly invited to a, a dinner, and uh, and so they were in a room with um, with you know uh, with the the owner of the Bengals and um, enjoying all the the uh, the luxuries of the evening, 
And it wasn't till, till after the evening was, was over that the individual that invited their friend uh, asked, asked this guy, he's like, did, did you know, like, did you know who you're standing beside most of the night? And he's like, no. Who was I standing by? It's like, you were standing by Joe Burrow. You didn't notice the 6'4 dude, right, like signing autographs beside you, beside you half the night? I noticed he was signing things, but didn't really, didn't really register that it, was, that it was Joe Burrow, right? And so we begin to talk about some of these, some of these uh, the, the bingo elites that were, that were in the room, but he never knew it, right? And how many times do we come to a space like this? And the God of all creation stands near to move in power and in might. And we treat it as though it's just another gathering and it's another church service and another religious exercise. And all the while, oh, because of our, we're just comfortable. We're comfortable with coming to church and, and going through the routine. And let's do four more songs, Jessica, or three more songs. And let's get the sermon. And maybe we'll pray or maybe we won't pray. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll have a shout out and get out early, right? And we'll be able to go. And if we're really, really good at it, we'll get out for, for in time for some, some, some half-price boneless wings from, from B-dubs. And Jesus came into his own city, his own hometown. And he couldn't do anything because they were so comfortable. They were so comfortable with this presence that they didn't recognize the divine nature. They didn't recognize the glory that he was carrying. They didn't recognize at first they did. At first they were astonished and amazed. And the Bible, our text said that he couldn't do any, he couldn't do any great miracles. And if he couldn't do any great miracles, it tells me that he must have wanted to. He must have wanted to. I wonder tonight what he's wanting to do in this space. I wonder, oh, but it, if he, I don't feel anything. And if he wanted to move, if he wanted to move me, he would. If he wanted to talk to me, maybe he would shut my phone off. <clears throat> He knows how to get my attention. And this is the God who rent the heavens, who proved his love for you by sending his son to earth and allowed his son to be hung for you. It allowed his son to go low, to go deep into the earth for you and in power resurrected so that he might save you and you're still waiting for a sign. If he wants to speak to me, oh my goodness, he spoke and his word continues to reverberate throughout the age. The love of God is in the house tonight. Would to God that somebody would recognize the enemy of comfort that they've lived in and allow Holy Spirit to shake them to a place of discomfort and say, oh God, I must have a move. I must have an encounter. I must have God more than a visitation. Oh, but God, I want a and have of your presence. 
when desire, see, see, you stop, you stop making deals with the Lord and stop bargaining with him when he's all that you want and he's all that you desire. At some point, at some point when real encounters occurred in your life, there is no more bargaining. It's wherever your spirit is, Lord, that's where I have to be. Like Moses, given the opportunity two times on two different occasions to do whatever he wanted to do. And first time, show me your glory. And the second time, I will not go from this place if your presence doesn't go with me. Because for Moses, it was never about the promised land. It was never about the promotion. It was never about the stage. It was never about the accolades or the attaboys. For Moses, his entire existence post-revelation was one thing, and that was the presence of the living God. If your presence doesn't go, then how will they even know that we're different? That's what he said. He didn't say if my hair is long enough. He didn't say if my dress is full enough. He didn't say if my face is bare enough. He said if your presence isn't with me, how will they know that we are separate? How will they know that we are a different people? What is the defining characteristic of a Christian? It's his holiness. What is his holiness? It's his presence in your life. Oh, that we would become a people that are desperate for the presence of God. So Jesus is in his hometown. And people who have become comfortable are upset and offended. We want revival, but we seek the ordinary. We want encounter, but we crave comfort. And as long as we seek the comforts of the earth, we disqualify the comforter from our lives. I don't know. I think if, for me, if if comfortable is normalizing depression, I, I don't want comfortable. If comfortable is normalizing anxiety, and this is where we're at in, in our culture, then I, I don't want comfortable. If comfortable is normalizing sin, then I, I don't. I'm not interested in comfortable. And we're not only normalizing it, we're not only, we're not only, we've come to a place to where, where, where it's, it's now a badge of honor. I'm, 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 I have anxiety and I, I have depression and I'm suicidal and we're supposed to be like excited. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be offensive and I'm not trying to, to, to be, um, uh, I'm not trying to, 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 to be unsympathetic. 
But what I'm saying is, is this culture has tried to get you to believe that it is normal for you to live a life of depression. It's normal for you to want to stay in the house. It's normal for you to want to be isolated. It's normal for you to, to be anxious and worrisome. It's normal for you to have a struggle. It's normal for you to, 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 to wrestle with, 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 with sin, uh, with, with addiction, uh, and, and, and just continue on your life and never actually deal with it because we all have our issues. And I'm not saying that, that we are anybody is perfect in the space, but what I am saying is everything that is not of God and that is, uh, that is, that is not holy is not normal for the New Testament believer who walks and lives in, in the power of the Holy Spirit, who is living with the resurrection power of Christ Jesus. I said it at the start. I'll say it again. You don't have to live with depression. The Jesus Christ of Nazareth body was broken so that you can know peace, so that you can know joy, so that you can know a life of righteousness. This is why, this is why he came so that you could be delivered from the bonds of sin. It's not normal for you to hide in a closet, to be shivering somewhere in a corner. It's not normal for you. It is in America. It is in American culture. We are the most drugged uh, culture in the earth. I don't know if you're aware of that, but we are on more medications than any other any other uh, other people in the entire earth, which ought to tell you something. And what I'm telling you is, is I'm not again. I'm not saying that if you tonight are on some regimen of pills because of some imbalances that you are that you are uh, that you are suffering through that that you should feel some kind of uh, guilt for that. That is not what I'm saying. What I am saying is, is you don't have to live that way. The Lord desires to heal you and make you whole, and you don't have to settle. For life, uh, a life less than Christ died for. Amen? And so your comfort zone, your comfort zone is not your friend. And so he comes to his own country. And those who responded initially in awe revert to offense. And as it said, familiarity, of course, breeds contempt. The more you know them, the more you find fault in them, and the more you find fault in them, the less you are going to give them grace. Isn't that interesting? How we can give, we can give grace to the the most lost, beaten down, rejected, and we should. It's not my, my problem is not, not that we give grace to people that are down on their luck. We give grace to people that are down and out. We should. My problem is, is we don't have any problem giving to the stranger. But somehow the person sitting next to us or the person that we've grown up with or the person that we're familiar with, it changes from, from grace to judgment. Familiarity breeds Reads content. And here Jesus is having ventured into the wilderness, having stood toe to toe with Satan, emerges with power, casts the devil out of the demoniac. 
heals the woman with the issue of blood, raises Jairus' daughter from the dead. And now he's in the synagogue and he quotes Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he slams the book shut and he says, today the scripture is fulfilled. And they said, what? This man? This man's our deliverer? The word offended means literally to stumble. They understood who they thought Jesus was. They understood how they thought God should move and how he needed to move. And I wonder sometimes we think we know what revival looks like and what God needs to needs to do and how the service needs to be arranged and who needs to speak and the songs that need to be sung and During the early 1900s, the Welsh Revival was breaking out, and a newspaper editor had come looking for, for Evan Roberts, <clears throat> and he come to a he come to a uh, a police officer, knowing the town, and he asked where he could find this revivalist and where this revival was taking place. And the officer just kind of pointed to his, what looked like his, his badge there. And the editor asked again, I'm looking for, I need you to tell me. I'm looking for this Evan Roberts and where this revival, where this revival was breaking out. Three times he asked, three times the officer pointed to his heart. And finally he responds and said, listen, sir, if you want to go to Mariah Chapel where the revival broke out, I can take you to Mariah Chapel. And I can perhaps lead you to Evan Roberts. But if you're looking for revival, it's right here. We're all carrying revival. It's right here. It's in me. It's in my heart. And this is an indictment on a generation that wants to run from, 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 from service to service, from move to move, wants to run from, from conference to conference looking for revival, right? And so not that, that revival doesn't break out in specific places, but the first place revival always breaks forth. It's right here. It's right here in the individual's heart. Oh, God, make us uncomfortable. Make us uncomfortable. Watch this. Watch this. This is, um, this is um, in, the, uh, in the, the mid-1800s. We call it the, the businessman's prayer meeting. Some have called it the layman's revival. I want to read you. This is a, a prayer meeting that started really in the wake of, of a, a market downturn, really a, a market crash in New York on Fulton Street. <laughs> and, uh, and, and the response was a prayer meeting that grew 
to, to millions. And, and this is a, a, a column in an editorial in the New York Times. It said this, The great wave of religious excitement which is now sweeping over this nation is one of the most remarkable movements since the Reformation. I, I'm reading this because I, I want you to be uncomfortable. And I want to awaken your heart to what the Lord wants to do in a greater way. We've, we've seen little spurts here in this house. The Lord's been gracious enough to allow us to see little spurts of what he wants to do. But, oh, gosh, there's so much more. Travelers relate that on cars and steamboats and banks and markets everywhere through the interior, this matter is an absorbing topic. Churches are crowded. Bank directors, rooms become oratories. Schoolhouses are turned into chapels. Oh, God, do it again. Converts are numbered by the scores of thousands. In this city, we have beheld a sight which not the most enthusiastic fanatic for church observances could ever have hoped to look upon. We have seen in the business quarter of the city, in the busiest hours, assemblies of merchants and clerks and working men. This is the New York Times. To the number of some 5,000 gathered day after day for simple and solemn worship. Similar assemblies we find in other portions of the city. A theater is turned into a chapel. Churches of all sects are open and crowded by day and night. It says, it is most impressive to think that over this great land, tens and fifties of thousands of men and women are putting to themselves at this time in a simple, serious way, the greatest question that can ever come before the human mind. What shall we do to be saved from sin? This revival will peak somewhere around 1858, but didn't stop there. Even through the Civil War, 150,000 Confederate uh, converted in the Confederate Army alone. In Britain, close to a million people joined the churches due to this, what they call, layman's revival. They said that they reported that as the, the ships would come into the harbors uh, there in Hudson Bay and in, in, uh, in down in uh, Charleston in South Carolina, as, as, as ships would come into the harbor with immigrants, as they would get off the boat, the, 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 those aboard the ships began to feel the presence of God before they even got into the harbor. The presence of God was so strong, was so strong that those, those men and those women that were coming to these shores before they even got off the boat had already surrendered their heart and their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because the presence of God was so real. The presence of God was so heavy and so strong before they even got out. Why? Because there was a people that said, we've got to have more. What we've had is not enough. Normal church, it will not satisfy. We know there's more. We know the Holy Spirit looks to unleash himself in a greater way. And it all begins with simple obedience. It it all begins with someone who's willing to leave comfort. A Moses that says, the palace is great. Oh, but I feel something else on the inside of me that's calling me to abandon the comforts of the palace. And if it takes me to the backside of a desert for 40 years, oh God, ruin me, God, for everything that's comfortable and cause me to be a revivalist.
palace. Oh, it, it, the, the, the likes of the likes of Joshua who say, I'll leave the I'll leave the comfort of the side of Moses and I'll take a generation over over the Jordan River. The, 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 the likes of, uh, of an Esther who say, I'll leave the quarters of the king's chamber and I'll risk my very life for a people for the sake of revival. Oh God, you've got to move among my people. Allow me to be a one, be, to be the one. And what does God do? And thrust them into uncomfortable positions and situations uh, uh, like the, the 120 assembled in the upper room, leaving the comforts of home to assemble, to gather, to pray, just following a simple commandment and simple obedience is praying for an outpouring of the Lord. Don't know what it's going to look like, but God, whatever you have, I want what you have. And all of a sudden in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says at the appointed time, the glory of God came down. And what does God do? He thrust them into a more uncomfortable place that's going to cost them their very lives. They go to the uttermost parts of the earth with this gospel and to dangerous places. And so we see the same thing with Paul who had reached the height, uh, the height of achievement among the Hebrews, but he abandons the comfortable and begins to, begins to go after the very ones that he abused and stoned and murdered. Why? Because he was ruined for everything that was comfortable and said, oh God, make me uncomfortable for everything that I know that's normal, Father. Oh God, release revival. God, let me encounter your presence. God, make me a vessel that carries your glory. Hallelujah. And so look what Jesus does. He goes to Genesaret. He goes in the same chapter. I don't know how much time passed from his hometown to Genesaret. Okay. But, but he goes to, he goes to in verse, we read it together. In uh, verse uh, 53, he crossed over and he came to Genesaret. And, and, and the Bible says, and when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him. Oh my, this is him. This is the one. This is Jesus. This is the Messiah. This is the promised one. Oh, they weren't offended. They weren't offended by his presence. They were in awe of his presence. Oh my goodness, that God would restore, restore the awe of the believer, the awe that, that brings his presence, the awe that, 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 that brings the glory of God to a space that recognizes it's not an ordinary time, it's not an ordinary season, but Jesus looks to move now among his people. What do they do? They run to the highways, they run to the byways, they get all that they can. They respond in awe and they run into the streets and they bring the sick they bring the lost they bring those in need and the bible says he healed them all he healed them all what's the difference comfort and contempt versus awe and wonder what's your response what's your response The obedience of Peter just, okay, you want me to launch into the deep and I've been fishing all day, but you want me to fish a little bit more? Okay, I'll, I'll do what you say and I'll go out into the deep waters and I'll, I'll throw my net over for a catch. Simple obedience. 
Mary who says, I, I don't know. I don't know how uncomfortable this is going to be, but as your word says unto me, let it be so. Let it be so simple. Simple obedience. The eagle that sits on her nest that warms her eaglet eggs I don't know how much time that takes a little bit of time that will protect those eggs with her life When they hatch and break forth, we'll tear prey from limb to limb so those eaglets can live. That same mama, when it comes time for those eagles or those eaglets to fly, that same mama will say, I can't allow you to remain comfortable. I'm going to use the same wings that secured your food, the same talons and the same beak that fed you food. I'm going to use those same saving members to push you out of the nest to the very thing that you think is going to take your life, the very thing that causes deep fear and uneasiness in your heart. I'm gonna push you out so that you can conquer the very thing that you thought was going to conquer you. I don't know what you've become comfortable with. I don't know, I don't know what the enemy has convinced you that you have to live with the rest of your life. Whether that's a disease, a disability, whether that's some sort of imbalance, or whether that's such a bashful spirit that you could never be in your mind, an effective witness for God. I don't know what he's convinced you that you have to live with. Oh, but I feel Holy Spirit coming near to push somebody, to push somebody, to push somebody out of the comfort zone of the uh, of everything that everything that that brings you that brings you a, a false peace. And that same Holy Spirit, that's wind, will gather you under and pick you up. I don't know in the room tonight what revivalists, and we've got some revivalists in here, need to allow Holy Spirit to birth a brand new hunger and a brand new desire, a brand new perspective for what he's doing right now. But I know tonight, in this season, as Holy Spirit has given us a green flag to pursue kingdom things. I know tonight, Holy Spirit wants to put a spotlight on the thing that you've been, the blinky that you've been holding on to, 
for comfort. For some of you, it may be something as simple as, as a setting like this. I'm like, hey, I don't know. Maybe you've never been in a, in, a, in a gathering like this. I don't know what all the emotion is about. I can tell you that I'm trying to close. I can tell you that when I was 17 years old, when I was 16 years old, I was never more uncomfortable than in a church. And every time the minister got up to preach, I knew that the minister was speaking to me. I'm like, how does he know? Why did he change his soul? Why did he change his whole servant sermon to speak to me? Anybody else know what I'm talking about? How does he know what I'm going? How, this is really awkward and uncomfortable. And at times I'd be angry about it. Like that's really ridiculous that he's reaching for me like this. This is the preacher. I didn't know the whole time. It was all the precious grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ who had appointed me to be there. And it was him that was coming near, knocking on the door of my heart, wooing me into his presence. Oh, I was uncomfortable. And for weeks, I allowed that uncomfort to drive me back to a place of comfort. And finally, I succumbed. And I responded, and my life was never the same. My life was never the same. I've been looking so hard for a stinking Joe Burrow jersey, not for myself, but for my son, because he wants one. And if he wants it, then I care. <clears throat> and uh, and they, if you've tried to find any bingo gear, you know it's hard right now. It's kind of cool. It, it's the atmosphere that we're in, but it's really hard. Dick's just restuck yesterday, just throw that in there. Um, but I was so desperate to find uh, a, a Joe Burrow jersey. I set alarms on all my phones for when one was posted on Facebook and on OfferUp because they were gone so fast. Somebody would post it and it was gone. I can't tell you how many I messaged and somebody was already on the way to get it, right? And as it became more difficult, I got more desperate, right? that Joe Burrow. That's a, that's a Super Bowl. Hey, Jude, can you just wave at everybody? Yeah. Yeah. Can you take that? Just show, show this right here. Show the, the, no, you don't want to. Okay. It's got the Super Bowl patch on it. <clears throat> I was, I was, I was seeking out friends who had connections. Okay. And I found a friend who had connections and I'm like, as soon as they come in, I need you to message me. Right. And so that wasn't coming. It wasn't happening. I've been to the pro shop, driven all the way to stinking Cincinnati to the pro shop because they won't answer a phone and they won't respond to an email to find out that, you know, they don't have his size, of course. And so I was ready to drop money, right? It's just that my nature, you know, there's a lot of flaws that I have. And so I was ready to drop, drop double, you know, really 75% above retail price for Jersey Wild because I wanted to have a Jersey, right? Because when you get desperate for things, you do desperate things. It's just a simple way of telling. When you really get desperate for things, you start doing, uh, you start doing kind of un, uh, unnatural things. You start setting your alarms to wake up and pray. You start, start setting alarms to remind yourself that you need to seek the face of God, that you need to read more, that you need to show up to the prayer meeting, that you need to push, that you need to, that you need to fast more. I don't know. We've been on 90 days of, uh, of prayer and fasting, and it's, it's, it's been 
awful. And so, and so, and so trying to not eat until, and so this is, you're dealing with bad breath throughout the day. You're trying to teach kids and you've got this funk and, and you're, and I'm just used to eat with teachers and now I'm in my room all by myself and I'm trying to seek the, why? Because God make me desperate. I don't want to be comfortable. I don't want church as normal. We're too late in the game. Oh God, there's too many, too many that are believing the lies of the enemy. There's too many that have already seen succumb to the lies of the enemy. Too many among us that we've lost. Too many that have fallen ill and fallen sick. Not just, not just by way of, of sin and a sinful life, but just disease. Oh, I want to see the healing power of God again. I want to see it as an, on a normal, regular basis again, like we've read about over and over. And I'm convinced that in the days of the latter rain, we are to, to ask for ask for the rain. I'm convinced that we stand on the heels of the greatest revival that the earth has ever seen. And I'm convinced that God has pre-selected each one of you to take part in that grand revival where we'll see the glory of the Lord cover the earth as the waters clothe the sea. Oh, I know it doesn't look like it right now. I'll remind you, it's the, it's the root out of dry ground. It's the root out of dry ground where the Holy Spirit comes. It streams in the desert where the Lord begins to show himself strong. I wonder tonight if there's anybody, oh, that's willing to become uncomfortable, willing to identify the areas of your life where you've allowed comfort to set in. It's become your enemy. Oh, but tonight, oh, if you allow Holy Spirit to breathe on you, to push you across that bridge of apathy, from apathy to revival, to his presence, to inhabitation. Anybody in the house tonight who allow Holy Spirit to restore awe and wonder where you're at. Oh God, I wonder what he's come to do in you. I wonder what he's come to do in your school, in your community, in your home. Bow your heads across this place. Lord Jesus, we love you. We give you glory. We give you honor in this house. We recognize that we are in uncommon times, Father. We recognize there are uncommon diseases in the earth. We recognize, God, that there's an uncommon attack on your people, on young people. We recognize, God, that suicide is at an all-time high. We recognize that, that, that suicide has actually been named a, a, health, a health pandemic, an actual health problem in our country uh, in this late hour that we live. And we recognize, Father, as the enemy grows, grows in deception and grows in power, so does your Holy Spirit on your people, God. In an hour, Father, where darkness is rising, let your light shine brighter. Oh, let your light fall on sons and daughters, Lord God. Let your fire fall, Lord God, on desperate, desperate hearts tonight. Jesus, push us from the place of comfort, oh God, to a place of, of, of holy desperation for you, the real you, Jesus, a real genuine move of your spirit that'll sweep, Lord God, over our hearts first, Father. Oh God, and that'll transfuse from us to everyone, Lord God, that we encounter, God, may we be, may we be carriers of this revival, God. May we be your marching ones in this house, Father. Oh Lord God, who'll go into the enemy's territory, Jesus, who'll release, Lord God, revival, fire, hope, God, and healing. Oh God, let this be the place tonight. Oh, let this
this be the people tonight, God. Let this be the room, God, tonight. Thanks for listening. If this message blessed you in any way, please consider subscribing and sharing this podcast with someone. You can follow us on social media at Haven Youth Church. We love you, fam. The best is yet to come.